Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, welcome to the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, Damian Mason, with a great show for you today because I've got a great guest. If you are doing anything on social media, you've probably seen this guy. His name is Jason Mock. He's an Indiana agricultural entrepreneur, I'm going to call him. He's uh, a little outside-the-box thinker, if you will. But, you know, that's almost become too cliche, outside-the-box thinker. We're going to talk about customers instead of acres. We're going to talk about shifting from commodity mindset. We're going to talk about the business of agriculture from a completely different peripheral view, if you will, and that's why he's here to help us. By the way, welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks, Damien. All right, before we get to hear from the brilliance of Mock, we're going to uh, make sure to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution that will help your ag enterprise be more profitable. You've got inputs, you've got outputs, you've got acres, you've got land, you've got all these resources to manage. Why are you trying to do that with a manila folder and a pad of paper? Granted, I'm a pad of paper guy. Get yourself the right software solution for the money side of your business. Go to harvestprofit.com. All right, Jason, uh, we're sitting here in this boardroom uh, in an innovation center. You've got um, a new venture. You've got another new venture, and you've got about 47 different ideas. You almost wear me out, and that's hard to do because I'm kind of a high-energy type. I like that about you. Before we get into all your ideas and your new ventures, quick background. Tell everybody, you were on episode 84, by the way, listeners. He was on episode 84, uh, and we talked about intercropping and utilizing his manure resource. Tell us a little bit about that, and tell us about what you're doing now. Okay, so I am still still uh, have been farming since uh, 2011, and uh, I guess my background is both sides of my family farmed. Uh, bad circumstances with my father, got pancreatic cancer, other uncle got uh, a brain tumor, uh, in about three or four years ago and that really just changed my mindset instead of chasing that rabbit chasing more acres getting that extra five to ten bushel what i'm supposed to do being a farmer i've changed to trying to figure out how to create a brand and create a customer base now i need to grow something to service that market now to make sure that uh, our listeners understand okay it's not that he doesn't understand broad acre agriculture he's been he was brought up in it you guys farm a few thousand acres you have four contractual uh hog barns meaning you're in a vertically integrated system where uh, uh tyson pays you money to grow hogs for them um or that's where your hogs end up going. Um, so you understand broad acre agriculture, but when you say customers instead of acres, the traditional mindset, and that's where I think this is important. You hear me all the time, dear listeners, viewers, uh, talk about commodity mindset. It's We know we are commodity producers, but that doesn't mean you have to have a commodity mindset because commodity mindset is always just bigger, cheaper, bigger, cheaper. You and I said before we started going on air here, the future is going to have those people, and they're going to be huge, and there's going to be then niche categories. And you said, I can't just be this person that's always chasing, how can I get 20 more acres and do it cheaper? I've got to have something else going on. That's kind of the impetus. Right, right. So you were in business. You had a small business on your own until you came back when your father died. And uh, you brought a little of that sort of savvy back, not just, uh, you know, the, 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 the big, 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 big. It was sort of, I just want to make money. You want to make money because that's one thing you talk about is doing different stuff to be profitable, right? Right. 
you and I both said before we got on air here, uh, commodity mindset people go to the FSA office and sign up for the program and then say, I'm going to grow corn and soybeans. You said, I'm going to grow soybeans, but put wheat in between the rows. What the hell is that all about? Yeah, I guess I didn't answer your question very good earlier. So it started uh, being a landscaper, going to farm, and I just I didn't understand the clean slate idea because sunlight is the main reason why we farm the reason for our existence if you will so how can we uh you know maximize that so that's that's what really started different thoughts was starting to experiment on my farm and share that and then going around talking to people has really i think the biggest value that you create when you are kind of innovative and share that stuff is the the network and the people that are willingly come to you um, for and share their ideas. All right. So your intercropping thing, if nobody listened to episode 84, it's pretty simple, except for it's not. You go into the FSA office and they say, is this field in wheat or is this in soybeans? And you say both. And at the same time, it wasn't even double cropping. It was intercropping. Tell us about intercropping. So it all started being a landscaper and being moved into farming. I, I couldn't understand the idea of, of a clean slate, one crop. You know, I used to sell 15 different services on a, on a sales sheet to a, a property. We do the land, you know, the snow, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so the idea is you always looked at it as, all right, if I've got this commercial account, this uh, office building, I want to plow the snow. I want to do the spring cleanup. I want to do the bush removal. I want to do five other things while I'm there. So that way I'm making money off of that acre exactly. client more than just once. So that's and you one. can exploit your talents. So you would sell them five lawn applications, but the five might be just a little bit of urea here and spray the edges and all that stuff all they cared about was curb appeal yes so they just wanted the end product right so at the end of the day on on farming if we can figure out natural systems that will take will replace costs like herbicides or like uh you know figure out ways to use nature to uh replace costs there's a lot of value there so going back to the spot i I really wanted to plug this in uh with snow removal i would i would want to be required for a $3 million aggregate insurance because that means that I can get an account that's really small, high liability, and I would hit a toggle switch and salt a par- uh, parking lot if it we got a dusting of snow, which now makes 42 occurrences during a year instead of six times that it snows two inches. So then you can get all these small accounts and you can make $100 on $5 cost of goods sold and then you start routing them together and you can make increasingly amount per hour that you're there. So when you go the cropping now, and this was a different mindset for the traditional farmer, uh, do I have to maximize wheat yields? No, I can just get value for that time and space. So then I got into genetic expression. And I was saying, okay, I can get how many bushels of wheat can I get by before I start taxing the other crop? And that's kind of what I've been doing the last few years is figuring out how we can get contribution margin on multiple entities that create an aggregate value and more uh, better value for my time okay so you're looking at then and i remember you talked about utilizing manure while the hogs aren't yours you get paid per hog space i remember you said but we've got this manure resource now the thing is everybody that has hogs uh, on a contract gets the manure you said i want to make sure i'm getting more use out of them beyond just the fertilization you talked about biochar etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. are you doing any of that yeah so the big thing like the reason we went to 
intercropping was we lost all our nitrogen. So we're just pumping and dumping in the fall and it's all gone unless we have a cereal crop or something to actually utilize that. And then if we can put the seed where we get the nitrogen and we can change its genetic expression and plant multiplication and all that stuff, we can get create force multiplication. All right. So then your your entrepreneurial vision says, okay, customers, not acres. I know that I need more money than just uh, what I'm going to make off of expanding acres. Uh, right? That's what you said. Right. You said, uh, all right, there's this, that we're, we're farmers, yes, but and most farmers are like, oh, God, got to get more acres. Got to grow, grow, grow. And you said, how about if I looked at some other business ventures? So bring me to today. What else? Uh, you, I go on social media, and I see you got sheep, and you got chickens, and you got <laughs> meat, and all Pigs kinds in the of woods. stuff going on. Huh? Pigs in the woods. Pigs in the woods. All right, so go ahead to start with any of those. Sheep. I always wanted to be a sheep farmer as a kid. What do you do? With sheep. Okay, so I wanted to try organic farming. So, with with the, the goal, a lot of people in ag, kind of in the regenerative space, is how do we do no-till organic? Mm-hmm. And that's tough, but we can do a little hybrid there where we might only cultivate with, say, robots on 30 inches out of the 10 feet, things like that. So I use the animals to actually manage the cover crop. So you become you create this natural algorithm where if we can move the animals every five or six hours, then we can keep the cover crop intact and then it will control that space. And then we create more value for that space than we would have if we had put a crop there. And then once you, once you figure out kind of the, how the sunshine works is now we create more sunlight per each plant out there. So like I can put twice as much popcorn down the row and all the leaves collect sunlight. So now I can get two ears on there and have 500 uh, birds on an acre and move that manure around. And then I can sell each bird for $20. So you can start packing in more value on that acre when you start stacking the entities and cross leverage. All right. So you, you started by saying, okay, uh, part of our 3000 acres, we're going to do this experiment. So you went out and you said, okay, what, 20, 30, 50 acres that you said I'm going to play with. Yeah. And, and you started by planting a cover crop. And then you said, I'm going to on this cover crop then, uh, cause you're getting, what, what the benefit of the cover crop is that it's feeding the soil, but you're not making any money on that cover crop. Right. So let's turn it into feed. So you said, all right, now to make money off of that cover crop, I'm going to feed it. So the, so the other idea is if it doesn't matter if it's a cover crop, pure, you know, <laughs> don't use that word, but, um, it doesn't matter if it's pure or if it's a weed The the animals eat it regardless. Uh-huh. So what's the difference? You just need to have something manage that in between there. Okay. But, but answering your question, I have about, I think 14 or 15 different projects I had going this year. I had a couple interns that would go around and manage things. Um, but we purchased Muncie Meats and closed July 1st. And the the whole reason why I was really looking for a meat company is <laughs> you drive in any direction, it's corn and soybeans, and where is that corn and soybeans going? It's got to be fed to an animal. It's or, going into an animal. Or go to an ethanol plant or a biodiesel plant. But my listeners already know that my prediction is we're going to see an end to biofuels probably in about 10 years from now because – Electric cars don't need fuel. Yeah. But here's the thing. So you're, you're growing these pigs in the woods, and you're, mm-hmm. uh, and you're growing these uh, sheep in the cover crops, and you said, I think there's going to be a market for uh, more specialized meat, small meat, uh, local meat, et cetera, et cetera. And then you said, I'm going to continue to grow my empire. Now, where do those go? Where, where did those go right now? Because you talked about uh, selling them direct to the consumer. Yeah, so they go into our, our, our retail truck. 
that we converted from Muncie Meats, and we would we had a, a five-acre patch with sweet corn and pumpkins. We turned it into a you pick sweet corn patch, you pick pumpkin patch. We did a lot of fundraisers for school, and we would sell that local meat there. And then the other thing we're working on is our automated farmer's market. And we've got a spot where the minute, highest... Wait, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself no, here. Right. You talk about dollars. You and I both like to make money. Uh, you know, I, I, a friend of mine always told the story about the guy that worked in the factory with him that said, I don't really care what I'm making per hour as long as I'm getting lots of hours. Uh, that's not what I always think. I think <laughs> I, I, I'd like to not have as many hours, and I'd like to have more dollars per hour. You're saying, okay, I've got the commodity thing down. We know how to grow corn and soybeans here at Mock Farms. Um and we can want to produce pigs now. Let's do the other little things. When you look at these other things and you said, I think specialty or value added, um, you did some pumpkins and you did some of that. Did you make more dollars per acre on those five acres than you did on an acre of soybeans? Tremendously. Yes, right. And now you're saying meat. Um, you looked around and saw that uh, there was a run on meat. Um, there was a little bit of fear in the marketplace of uh, meat plants are shutting down, and you said, I need to be in the meat business. So in July, you bought a, a local meat distributor? Yes. All right. And now the next thought is meat processor. Yes. All right. And you're either going to buy or build. Uh, we would like to buy. Uh, we would inherit some employees with skills. We, we could buy. We're doing a, an, another deal where we've got a mobile unit that will bring back for t- to Muncie Meats to cut and pack and label. All right. So the, tell me about what happens with the business. You sell to restaurants. You sell to individuals. You sell to whoever. Tell me about the meat business. Yeah. So our, our motto is your local choice. So we, we're not going to use fear or anything like that if you want to get a price point beef, you know, choice prime out of uh, feedlot in Nebraska, that's fine. We've got that. We're going to have local. We're going to have everything. But the existing legacy business model was we're sourcing about 150 restaurants right now with with their with their meat and some fries and that kind of stuff, but mostly restaurant supply. All right. But we are really striving to develop this direct-to-consumer market. Because grow. restaurants are going to be struggling here. Right now, as you and I are recording this, uh, states are shutting down again because of the coronavirus. Um, I, I was in the restaurant and bar business somewhat in college. I understand it. I know it's a, it's a tough racket. And uh, you, can't, you can't exist at 25% capacity. Uh, the politicians don't understand that because they've never run businesses. But um, a bunch of your restaurant customers are not coming back. That's right. Now, now you can really dissect the restaurant industry, pizza place like Pizza King, 125% of sales this year. You go in there, no one's in the shop. It's all going out. Yeah. Mexican so, restaurants are so, doing fantastic. So carry out stuff or delivery stuff um, is actually doing quite well. Yes. People still got to eat. All right, before we get into where Muncie Meats goes and your other entrepreneurial ideas, he's a crafty farm guy. And speaking of crafty farm people, if you are one, you need to consider your software solution and what your software solution is going to be to make your business more profitable. Go to HarvestProfit.com for a free 14-day trial. My buddy Nick Horeb just sold his company, Harvest Profit, to John Deere, but it doesn't matter. It's still going to give you the same product and great service that you've come to expect. Go to HarvestProfit.com, HarvestProfit.com. Profit.com and check it out. Also, we're at the midway point of this podcast. I'd like you right now just think about what makes you comfortable, what makes you happy, what makes you feel good. Things you've always known, right? Like maybe milk and cookies. So right now, think about what makes you happy and maybe just wander over to the refrigerator, stop in the convenience store, and grab yourself 
a cold jug of milk or a cold glass of milk because my friends with the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk would like you to drink milk. And remember that vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin, is very important at keeping you, yourself healthy. And in this time and uh, situation right now with coronavirus, don't you need to be healthy? Of course you do. Vitamin D, you'll get it there. It's the sunshine, sunshine vitamin. And I'm guessing it's probably not very sunny where you are right now because we're heading into winter. Drink some milk. All right, Jason, you're going to go straight to consumer. I see this as a growth area because everybody and their sister, I just got a text last night, said, can you get me meat? Can you get me meat? Now, the thing is, you can go to the grocery store and get meat. What the hell's going on? Sorry, I, I, I didn't. Why is everybody a, Why is everybody calling us wanting meat? When it used to, you can still go to the grocery store right now and get meat, but everybody's wanting it from me or from you or from the place down the road. What's happening? I... I think I think that's a tangible thing that they there's there's a relationship there there's 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 something more concrete uh, when when people know their farmer I, I think there's that and also they got a little scared they got a little shook um, with the whole coronavirus thing and then they found out that they were going to get restricted on whether they could get two packages of pork chops or whatnot yeah so I, I think it goes along with you know if if we're all fearing about this lockdown but. I think under our skin, we're feared of, of something escalating beyond that. So what makes you comfortable? Guns, bullets, and knowing a farmer, right? Or being a farmer. Or being a farmer. Yeah. If you're a farmer who has a freezer full, <laughs> a freezer full of beef, pork, deer, chicken, and also firearms, I think you probably are pretty well, right? Probably all right. Uh-huh. You're going to get a few days. Uh, okay, so you're you're going to see a rise or at least uh, increased interest in consumer demand. What's your plan to go direct to consumer for the meat business? Okay, so our automated farmers market, I'm extremely excited about. So basically, what we're doing is creating an ATM machine for meat and local goods, and what we're selling is convenience and quality. Mm-hmm. Is the 20 second experience. So what this AFM is basically, it's similar to an Amazon locker, except it can be frozen, cool, ambient, or hot. Let's just, real quickly, there might be somebody listening to this that says, I don't understand what an Amazon locker is. Uh, we don't see them much in uh, in the Huntington, Indianas of the world, mm-hmm. but you'll see them in bigger metro areas. Tell them what an Amazon locker is. So basically, if you lived in a big city and you live on the 78th floor, instead of them taking your mail and your whatever you got on Amazon Prime that day, they'll put it in an Amazon locker where it's secure, and then you go down to the bottom floor and you get your package. And and it's not your locker every day because that would be like a mailbox. It's your locker for the 24 hours until you get it. Isn't that the deal? Yep. Meaning yep. it might be your locker right now, and then tomorrow they're dropping crap for me in that locker. Yep. All right. So going back to the time and space. How does one get to that locker, by the way? Does you give some code or something? Is that the deal? Yeah. So you'll order your order from us. We'll fulfill that order in your locker, and then you'll receive a confirmation code on your cell phone. And how this plays out in the COVID economy is they can take up their cell phone to the center interface and it will unlock their locker. They'll take their order and get back in their car in 20 seconds or less. We'll disinfect each locker in between each transaction. So if you're wanting to spend Christmas with your family, you probably don't want to intersect hundreds of people before Christmas. You you, people are going to become. Uh, a little bit safer in Germ- there. Germaphobes? Yes. Ger- ger- germaconscious? Uh, okay, so the idea is you're going to put food products 
in a locker and they come up there and they have a code and then they open it. And then once they've used that code, it's a different code for the next customer tomorrow after it's been disinfected yep. and then it's filled again. So I go in there and I grab me. What am I grabbing? What am I getting in this locker? You can get beef, pork, chicken, cheese, you know, anything. We're working with restaurants, so they'll have ready-made meals. Uh-huh. We're working so with people. So it can be kept cold or warm. Yep. And we're working with artisans that'll cure me uh all kinds of we we want to have some of the best bacon you can ever imagine okay so you might all not even make points. it yourself you're just going to be the you're going to be the connector yes you're going to be the connector between boom and boom and so i say you know what jason i really love making sauerkraut i'm really good at making kraut can i put my kraut on your menu and then i want to sell it through your virtual i'm sorry your automated farmer's market and you say yes how do i do that you just contact muncie meats and we'll We'll uh, store your product and, and put it in there when someone orders it. By the way, we're in Muncie, Indiana. We're recording this. We're not at his farm. We're at his office. And Muncie Meats is not spelled like the town in Indiana. It's spelled yes. like M-U-N and then C, like looking with my eyes, M-U-N-S-E-E. -E. Yes. MuncieMeats.com probably? Yes, MuncieMeats.com. Right. So anyway, uh, this is kind of exciting. That's consumer stuff. Um, you all talked about a food truck, but yours isn't a food truck. It's a meat truck. Uh, it goes out to farmer's markets. What else? Where else are you gonna how are you gonna get to the consumer we're gonna have a retail place there at our store as well mm -hmm. um and then we're wanting to grow the afms okay and and what what i was talking about earlier you know we don't have to buy expensive salty pieces of real estate we'll work with other businesses give them a revenue share and this is very non-invasive so you're seeing a lot of of development going on at caddy corners of big parking lots. You're seeing gas stations in the back. You're seeing, you know, the red box model is basically what we're emulating here. Yeah. And, uh, and red box is going away because people don't need DVDs anymore. They can just download from Netflix or what have you, but, uh, it's, you can't download uh, pork chop right now. So that's why your system works, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So where else, where else are you going? Um, tell me about the hogs that are out there in the in the woods. Uh, the, you've got you've got eight thousand hogs in barns, yeah. Uh, but then you've got eighty pigs running around the woods. Yeah, we got thirty two, <laughs> and they think I'm nuts. Uh huh. Who the hogs think you're nuts or the neighbors? No, my neighbors and my and my family somewhat. Uh huh. How are they? How are they coming along? So they're they're coming along great, and it is amazing. Me being a landscaper, both of us, what we can impart on nature when we move animals is just the same. So we went into a woods that you couldn't even walk in, uh, couldn't see through, and we put thirty pigs on a third of an acre, and we moved them thirteen times in the course of the summer. So they would thirty pigs on a third of an acre, and then you're out there. It's it's hard to move gates around in the woods. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we got a couple interns, and uh -huh. it takes about two hours uh -huh. for them to move the gates. We got enough gates so we could hold, keep the old gates, and then build yeah. a new thing, and, and then just move them yeah, down. So you're not, you're not. You're, yeah, otherwise, otherwise, you'd have wild. You'd just have feral pigs. Yeah. Okay. So these semi-feral pigs that you're moving around, they eat. <laughs> What do they eat? So they do get supplemented with corn. Okay. But if you've seen the Lion King, Akuna Matata, when they bring the lion in there and he eats all the grub bugs and grubs, that forest has been just shedding wood for you know hundreds of years. So there's all kinds of dead wood underneath there. There's tons of bugs and grubs. grubs yeah. There's all this soil, and they'll just root and actually 
clean up the entire floor of the woods in the course of about three or four days. And then we'll go in there and cut all the dead trees out. Then we can get sunlight in there. They took a dump. We can get grass in there, and then we can certify it organic. Okay. So it's not not necessarily good for forest management because hogs tend to be really hard on forest. You just got to move them all the time. Uh, But also, you're not really in it for the forest management. You're in it for pig management. Yes, but I think this is going to be a big real estate opportunity. So you go to places like Western Michigan, even like Yorktown down here or Noblesville, there's all kinds of woods that's valued at, what, $2,500 an acre? So you could totally take these pigs in here, move them around, follow it with a Harley rake and some grass seed, and guess what? They did all your landscape work for you. So you can turn that scrub ground into $25,000, an acre for a house for a house so that's there, where i'm going there, with that and there, the product there he, there he goes he's bringing the townspeople <laughs> out to the country and ruining our country landscape <laughs> okay so the hog thing uh also you referenced a disney movie is lion king a disney movie yes you know the amazing thing that i actually don't think i i don't i don't appreciate sometimes as much as i should the amazing thing about never having reproduced i've never had to watch these Disney movies that everybody tells me about and these kids' movies. They say, oh, gosh, you know, just like uh, in Jumanji. And I'm like, I don't have any clue what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, the pig thing. Have you taken any of them and put them on? Have you butchered them yet? No. All right. They're going next Tuesday. All right. I want to sample one of these. What's your, as a guy that knows hogs and has been around farming, when you look at those hogs out in the woods, do they look like something you'd want to eat? For sure. Are they a specialty breed? Uh, they're all uh, Berks, Berkshires. Yeah, that's the food, the foodie crowd. And I reference it in my book, Food Fear, which, dear listener and viewer, if you're watching this, you see my copy of Food Fear. If you're listening, go to DamianMason.com and buy a copy of Food Fear for the agricultural person in your life. Better yet, you're going to be arguing with somebody over the holidays if you're allowed to go and have a holiday with your family, right? Only 10 people in California. And they're going to say something stupid. They're going to say something that's so idiotic like, I heard that those farmers are like poisoning us. Instead of hitting them with the ladle and spilling the gravy, just give them a copy of Food Fear so they'll understand the food business. All right, so Berkshires are the popular thing. You're moving them around. You're going to butcher them. Do you have a customer for those Berkshire woods-raised pigs right now? We will. You're not concerned about it. You're just going to hang them, and there they are. Yeah, we, we pass through a lot of meat. Through right. our facility, I think we'll you have can, an AFN. I believe you can upsell them. I believe that you could sell them as organically raised, pasture raised, pig, pork, woods, woods raised, whatever, and uh, and charge a premium. All right. So where else are you going? What when you look at an opportunity that you're going to exploit or experiment? What have we not talked about? Hmm. I like that you're always thinking about customers. I like that you're not thinking about just how can we grow more bushels of corn, which is important to do that. I get it. That's commodity production. But you're always looking at where the customer is that you can take some of their money. We always carry on about. I I don't want to say exploit, but my my biggest thing that I'm working towards is young farmers giving them an opportunity. You know, I think the hardest or the most uh, blatantly biggest problem with ag is old people – can't get out or they won't get out and young people can't get in because of the cost of entry yes so you'll go to a john deere dealership or a land sale and what do you see at the land sale you see people are about some key overalls they're, and they're they're, 10, they're paying 10 to 30 years older than me they'll never be able to cash flow that but they've got enough owned land that right. they can just throw that towards so it's it's becoming nearly impossible for the young farmer to go in and play that same ball game they can't so how do we exploit that yeah so we we, we connect with the consumer and we start raising our food in ways that 
guess what? You got to get off your lark. You got to get off. You got to have some energy. You got to have some muscle. You, and then that's where you bring in the young farmer and give them away. And that's what we want to create is a, is a parent brand uh, to so help you, these guys out. So we're telling the, if you're 20, if you're 20 years old and you want to be in this business, get yourself some old used gates and, uh, and tell somebody you'll, you'll take on that 15 acres <laughs> of scrub ground and you're going to move hogs around. What about, uh, is, is it going to be exactly. So think about that. Nobody wants that ground. Nobody wants the woods. What? Why? It's always a wet woods. Yeah, or if it doesn't have any timber value. I'm in the timber business, so I think yeah. I think of things a little differently when I think of woods. But yeah, yeah. the average farm person doesn't think woods have any value. I look at timber. So what happens at five acres next to town? They'll drive their 700 horsepower tractor in there and field cultivate it for as long as it takes to unfold and fold mm -hmm. and they'll throw corn in there because that landowner owns another 400 out yeah so you can totally get that and create more value for all these little nooks and crannies and armpits and all this stuff uh i see other opportunities in this business and on specialty crop you have not done much you just did pumpkins right um uh, you're sweet corn popcorn you're close to a population hemp. center yeah hemp yeah How's that working? Not good. No, nah. it's because you don't have a marketplace for it, <laughs> right? Okay, uh, you you are thinking more and more direct to consumer. You are close to a population center. What might be next year's? What's what's in twenty twenty one's playbook? So community garden. So that same five acres that's on three thirty two. We did the it's a highway. By the way, you're not from here, but he's talking <laughs> like we all know his backyard. Okay. So last year we planted rye, and then we strip tilled sweet corn. You pick, and then pumpkins, and we sold meat out front. So next year rye, and then we're going to actually square off and give as many uh, high schoolers and young entrepreneurs their own block of land. Oh. So it's usually associated garden work with what? Rototilling and pulling weeds. Uh -huh. So we want to show them how we can use a cover crop and literally just push it down and use its corpse for weed control. We're going to be having starter vegetables at my friend that we got our hemp plants from where we'll have starter tomatoes and all that stuff. So you're saying if you want to be a young, if you're, it doesn't matter whether you're even going to be an entrepreneur or not, but if you want to come out and do this, you can do it. And then you're just donating that four acres or five acres. Yep, they can mark it. I'm sure they'll, that we won't get all the space filled up but if we could help 20 30 40 young entrepreneurs that want to do something like that then there's going to be plenty because here's what it comes down to if you can get 40 people involved in something that you feel great about it's going to come back around it might take two three or four years so this nice, is something i really want to grow it's a nice gesture you worry about theft if you're right along the highway and then right about the time that that person's um, organic tomatoes are starting to really mm -hmm. uh, produce then somebody's gonna go out and just snag them oh no doubt i mean we had a lot of pumpkin theft this year but you can't turn path pumpkins into meth <laughs> so yeah. it's not like a chainsaw or a weed whacker. Yeah, right. So it's not like the stuff that gets stolen from us out here anyway. People listening to this are going to say, man, they must live in some rough neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, I like that. I like that whole thing. Other entrepreneurial ideas. What is what is it that you think holds everybody back? I think that it's, I always say commodity mindset. It's also Outcomes. safety. People want to know the outcomes. I think it's safety. I think it's that they say, well... Dad always just went and did this, and I'm. Gonna, and it's not that they do it the same way. They use new technology. You know, they're using some some of the new uh, technology, but they don't very far from. Also, there's an economic security thing. You yeah. still can go to the FSA office and get money given to you if you produce corn and soybeans in the same way. 
I, I watched a lot of rabbits and squirrels get eaten this fall when we were combining. So if, if you're familiar with it, you've got your setup. You've got your red-tailed hawk on the corner mm-hmm. of the woods. And what it'll do is just wait for the combine to just be its little herdsman. And as you get that 100 acres down to uh, two or three acres, then what happens? Then the critters are jumping out. They're jumping and out. Right. And the and they, birds of prey are feasting. Yes. And then what does a rabbit do? Does it run straight? No, it runs in circles. Well, why? Because it's scared? It's scared. It has the lizard. They call it the lizard brain. Yeah. And this is what we're all born with is this fear, the survival fear gland in our. Mm-hmm. And that's what the the big ag and the safety nets and the subsidies and all this stuff feeds on is this fear. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps us uh, conforming and it keeps us all being cogs. So we are all, no matter how much money we make, then the price of all our inputs are going to mirror that. We never can outrun it. I like that concept. And so you've got somebody uh, like yourself that's out here, and they probably talk about you. They probably say, that kid, he's, he's, he's always doing some crazy stuff. And your response is, uh, what, what happens when, when the subsidies go away? I'm still going to have nine different other little ventures going on. Is that the concept? Somewhat, somewhat. I, I, I like the saying that if we went like complete communists and we divided all the money up, then it would all go back to the same people eventually. You know, at the end of the day, money has no intri- intrinsic value. It's your it's your connections and it's your skill set. And it's the people that attract you attract that want to work for your cause. So I guess I'm not trying to figure out how I'm going to be secure in the future. I'm just trying to meet more and more and more people. And it's it's interesting. I, I valued our time together today, Damien. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I like uh, people that think differently that are always kind of pushing me to think about new stuff and still think about my sauerkraut business and whether I'm going to really make that thing come to fruition. I'll make it happen. You just got to make good sauerkraut. Concern is I just don't know. I just don't know if I – it's not that I think I can't make it happen. It's just that I don't know if I want to work that hard on a sauerkraut business right now. I'm still considering it. Anyway, hey, uh, you've been listening to the Business of Agriculture podcast, which is brought to you by my buddy Nick. Horeb at Harvest Profit. You can go to harvestprofit.com. You can also go to LinkedIn and follow Nick Horeb, H-O-R-O-B. And I encourage you to read some of the articles. He writes really good articles that are short and intelligent uh, articles about the business of agriculture. So check them out. I know Nick. I've talked to him on the phone a couple times. He's a good dude. Yeah. Just sold his business. So he's still going to be there, though. So don't worry about it. You know what? If you like dealing with Nick, he'll still be there. Closing thoughts with Jason Mock about... um, Customers, not acres. Customers instead of acres. Where do you think you'll be five years from now? What will you be doing five years from now? Hopefully, I'll have a Fair Oaks farm that is for regenerative farming. Okay. The Fair Oaks farm is a huge dairy facility uh, in northwest Indiana that uh, also has a tourist uh component to it and then they have uh, uh tours for the for the hog and but they are unabashedly modern agriculture when you go there they say we are large-scale uh production agriculture you want to do that so, for regenerative yeah so i i stopped at, i've went to several farms the last couple of years and i stopped at monty bottoms grateful grays and he had uh he had cow calf he had steers he had chickens he had egg layers and each group of animals had dogs with them and the dogs thought they were the animals they were guarding oh. And I thought this stuff is gold. If we could get schools 
and people out to uh, go across two or 300 acres and see pigs in the woods and see cows being moved twice a day and see how it imparts into the soil and the organic matter we make and the outcomes that we create when we manage and think differently a little bit. There's no reason why we can't have a hotel and conference center and get people, these corporate Americans out there, take their sandals off and get a little crap between their toes. If we're allowed to travel for conferences, which I I think is going to be here. We're going to be there. All right. His name is Jason Mock, and he's an interesting dude. Uh, If you would like to see more of his stuff, how do they find you? Follow me on Twitter, Jason Mock, M-A-U-C-K-1. Uh, follow uh, Muncie Meats on Facebook. Be looking for our automated farmer's market to come not only out of the Muncie area down to Indianapolis, and hopefully we'll move all of these AFMs like Clark W. Griswold. You remember Christmas Vacation? Mm-hmm. You remember how he went to Chicago? Mm-hmm. That's where we want to build this market and start moving to inner cities and uh, kind of create this brand. I think Constant canopy. I like that idea also. I like the idea of an automated farmer's market where then people are getting that thing they want and it's and it, it shortens time and space, as you said. Exactly. Cool, man. I really appreciate being here. Actually, I came to you and took the tour. So anyway, check him out. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks for being a viewer. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. It'll help more visibility so more people can see the messaging that we're putting out there. Till next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.